The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, disturbing political ideas, disturbing sexual references, and an inevitable sense of doom. Sunday, the 22nd of March, 2020. In this episode, we, uh, well, I, start thinking about the impact of a certain global pandemic. We're just concerned that people might be getting a little crazy. An old woman from London reminds us how the British coped in the past. I come from a war and don't remember anything like this. And Scott Morrison reminds us how we're going to cope here in Australia. So long as Australians keep being Australians, we'll get this through, we'll get through this together. Thank you all very much, Tom. This is the 9pm His Plague Diary, episode one. Uh, I hope there's some more. Well, thank God Brexit is over and done with. Here's something to uh, to cheer you up. The novel coronavirus COVID-19 is here. It's spreading fast. And we are all going to die because people are fuckwits. This is from CBS Good Morning or This Morning in the US. Despite restrictions on outdoor gatherings due to the spread of coronavirus, thousands have flocked to Australia's Bondi Beach. Australia has seen its number of cases of COVID-19 jump in recent days. This was Friday. Australia cancelled all non-essential gatherings of more than 500 people last week, but... I am surprised by the number of people out. I've just been out for a swim and it's sort of like come out, get a bit of exercise, get outside and head home. I guess I'm more surprised by just the number of people who are just lazing around on the beach. The whole social distancing thing hasn't really uh, taken hold in Bondi just yet, I would say. Well, it's definitely not ideal. Um, It is a worry with so many people all together and I do think the whole world is probably looking at us right now thinking of what a massive mistake that we're making. Well, we don't normally have this sort of temperature, Um, so I think people are taking advantage of the hot weather why they can and a lot of people being stuck indoors so they probably think oh you know I'll take my chance and go for a swim but at the same time I just think well here we are supposed to be excluding ourselves from big crowds it sort of doesn't make sense. I think this is the last hurrah to be quite honest I think that um from tomorrow this will definitely I mean we shouldn't be doing it now but from tomorrow this will not be happening I don't think where we are for sure I think things are changing rapidly this has been a problem around the world Scotland for example will be using the police to enforce their coronavirus related ban on pubs clubs and restaurants opening uh, and in Belgium, the uh, the Belgian police actually have drones transmitting warnings through speakers asking citizens to respect their social distancing measures. Greet each other from a distance without any physical contact. Keep a distance of at least one and a half metres from each other. Walking from cashier and outdoor physical Belgium uh, isn't alone in doing that. Uh, China has done, uh, and I believe Portugal as well, Spain, uh, and so on. 
Uh, meanwhile, Americans are responding pretty much as you'd expect. Well, this is starting to feel very surreal. This gun shop behind me is full of customers and I want to show you how it looked a few hours ago when we arrived. Dozens of people queuing out the door, around the corner and down the street. Some had been there for hours lining up to buy guns and ammunition. A couple of people told us they were first-time buyers. They haven't owned a gun before. They don't want to own a gun, but they feel the panic is such here in LA that now they really do need to arm themselves. We're just concerned that people might be getting a little crazy, you know, with this going on, especially in um, a lower income neighborhood. The main concern here seems to be what will happen if people run out of food and supplies and that there might be some sort of breakdown, uh, civil unrest. There have been riots, of course, in the past in Los Angeles. You do sometimes see these sorts of queues at gun shops in the States only after uh, big mass shootings, sometimes around election time when gun control is in the headlines. But never before because of a global health pandemic. That report from Australia's Nine News. Then there's the passengers of the cruise ship Grand Princess. This report is from ABC7 in San Francisco. After 21 passengers and crew aboard the Grand Princess tested positive for coronavirus, the rest of the passengers were quarantined off the coast of San Francisco for five days, then went into quarantine at Travis Air Force Base in Fairfield for 14 days. It ends next week. But the Grand Princess passengers are ready to go home, and that's one big reason why two-thirds of them are refusing to be tested for coronavirus. 86-year-old Carmen Kilcullen spoke with me by phone about why she's declining the test. We didn't know for sure when these tests would, um, you know, we would get the results. And uh, in case the results came in later than our departure date, we'd have to stay. Pro tip, from now on, never name your ship anything with princess in it. In Estonia... (laughs) Ah, Estonia. Uh, Visit Estonia is the official... Travel gate to Estonia, which they describe as a country with medieval charm, northern quality, and Western mindset. Their slogan is now visit Estonia later. They tweeted, please stay safe and stay home. Hashtag travel, hashtag Estonia, hashtag stay the fuck home. Israel. As usual, has topped everyone, except perhaps for the United States. Yuval uh, Noah Harari is, uh, uh, well, he's uh, a very complex man and a a public commentator in Israel. Uh, He's called it now the first coronavirus dictatorship. He writes, Netanyahu lost the elections. So under the pretext of fighting corona, he has closed the Israeli parliament, ordered people to stay in their homes and is issuing whatever emergency decrees he wishes. In Italy, Spain and France, emergency decrees are issued by the government that the people elected. This is legitimate. In Israel, emergency decrees are issued by someone who has no mandate from the people. This is a dictatorship. Good on you, Israel. Uh, Timothy Noah in Washington, D.C., he's the Labor policy editor at Politico, says, quote, I just asked a D.C. cop what he's noticed since the coronavirus sent people home. More domestic violence, he said, without missing a beat. Now, for me personally, the, the whole COVID-19 thing only started to hit me around, say, a week and a half ago. Before then, it was something that was happening to other people somewhere else. And and that's kind of the problem. Uh, 
This so-called social distancing thing is is normal for me. It's normal for so many freelancers who work from home. In fact, we often need to be prodded to get ourselves out of the house. I started to see the panic buying like a toilet paper, for fuck's sake, uh, what, a week ago. Toilet paper? Why do you panic buy toilet paper? Indeed, here's what an older Londoner thinks of that. Hello, all you lovely lot out there. Now, what a bad state of affairs we're in. I can't believe what's fucking happening. Now, anyone going out now can't get a mask. Of course you can't, because all the greedy fuckers doubled up on them. So if I go out, which I won't, I've got to go out like that. Now, we see a picture on the internet last night of an elderly lady facing empty shelves. She could not buy a fucking thing. Now, give a thought to the elderly and all those that can't get out. I come from a war and don't remember anything like this. Stuff was rationed, but we all got our share. Now, everybody's going mad buying all the fucking toilet rolls up. Why? Don't you normally buy them? The stores should be letting people only have one per customer. No, but the stores are greedy bastards and they're not. Now, all start crying within the next week or so when the toilet prices fucking double. Well, we'll see about that. You'll all be using newspaper like we did in the war. Well said, ma'am. Well said. But at Coles... Uh in Katoomba in the Blue Mountains on Wednesday, it wasn't just the toilet paper that was missing. The entire meat section was gutted. The only thing left uh, was bulk chicken wings and incredibly expensive premium steak. Also gutted was all the carbs, pasta, rice, potatoes, along with onions and canned tomatoes, uh, suggesting that uh, Chef Adam Lior, I think it was him, uh, suggesting that he was right anyway when he said spaghetti bolognese is the only thing Australians know how to cook. Uh, Also gutted, soaps and hand sanitizers, which you'd expect, kitchen cleaning products, again, as you'd expect, bottled water for some reason, Uh, toilet paper, as I've said, all the other paper products like tissues and paper towels as well. Uh, What else was there? Uh, Noodles, canned soup, canned beans, uh, ready-to-cook pizzas from the fridge, and crackers. Uh, I didn't explore the the frozen goods because I I usually don't buy them. Uh, But this weekend, I heard that places like Bunnings, the hardware chain, had salt out of seeds and seedlings. So everyone's a fucking gardener now. Talking to uh, people outside the city areas, which kind of includes me, there's mostly denial out there. It's it's just seen as something about, well, about something down in the city, crowds at the beach, cruise ships, sports, but not them. That's curious. That's going to change soon. But what I'm really getting so fucking sick of are all the noisy cunts who think they know better than all the world's epidemiologists and medical data scientists who are currently working double shifts, at least here in New South Wales, uh, on the pandemic because they heard from a friend's grandmother that there was a graph on Facebook. 
some bloke called Noah Haber. Well, he's a Stanford postdoc researcher in causal inference, meta-science, health economics, and HIV. He's written a brilliant thing on uh, Medium. I suggest you go and look at it. As with all of this stuff, there are links on the podcast website. Now, the Dunning-Kruger effect, you know, that phenomenon where people lack the ability to understand their own lack of ability because they don't know enough to know that they don't know anything, which, you know, he's now labelled DKE. He says that while strains of DKE typically circulate seasonally, a new and more virulent strain called DKE-19 is now reaching pandemic proportions. And my God, does he have a point? To become an epidemiologist, you need a bachelor's degree in medical science or health science or a biological science, and then a master's degree in epidemiology or public health or something like that. Now, doing a PhD is an optional extra, but obviously that's good to have. So I'm so glad so many of you cunts have done all that since January. To become a data scientist in this field, you need a bachelor's degree in mathematics with with a statistic major or perhaps computer science and then a master's degree in medical informatics or such. So again, I'm so glad you cunts have done that since January. Very good. In fact, Health New South Wales doesn't consider someone to be an epidemiologist until they've done a three-year training program, the Public Health Officer Training Program, PHO. So Have you done that? Did you do that before polluting the information sphere with your own hot takes? No, you fucking didn't. I tweeted a rant along these lines, uh, well, several over the last couple of days, and Grant Williamson responded saying, I've published papers in the International Journal of Epidemiology, but I'm still shutting the hell up because I'm not that kind of epidemiologist. Dan Miller said he's a registered nurse uh, with a master's in public health in biosecurity and disaster preparedness. He's studied communicable diseases control. He's done mass screening and treatment and contact tracing. He loves to make charts, but he also says he knows when to shut his face. Yes, people, you people, need to do a lot more listening before you start talking. Now, that said, Asking thoughtful questions aimed at learning is good. Learning is always good. But shouting, why isn't the government doing X when X is like something you just thought of, is not. So a plea. Can those of you playing amateur epidemiologist or uh, a medical data scientist just please stop? This isn't a game. This isn't an academic exercise. People are literally making life and death decisions and you're polluting the information sphere and confusing anxious people. But as I say, explore the ideas and learn. Learning is good. Just keep it to yourself or share it privately with appropriate disclaimers. Please, please. And please don't be like Elon Musk. I mean, don't be a cunt, obviously. But Elon Musk, not only is he spreading bullshit, like claiming that kids are immune from coronavirus, which they're not. Of course, they're fucking not. He's making predictions. Uh, On Friday, he tweeted, no, Thursday, based on current trends, probably close to zero new cases in the US too by the end of April. Like, what? Mind you, as a physician told me privately, maybe that one will come true. Thanks to Donald Trump's brilliant response, they might all be dead by then. So, you know, no no new cases. And we've also seen Australia's big sporting clubs, the, the rugby, the Australian uh, rules football and so on, asking for special treatment because, again, they're going to be affected. Well, quite frankly, I mean, 
I'm happy for you to love your sport, but really, really, this is what we should be spending public money on. Uh, there's uh, a letter from the other day in the Weekend West from uh, Perth, the newspaper. Dr. Robert Davies, who's uh, a surgeon, says, This morning I operated on four patients. Only the surgeon and scrub nurse were allowed to wear a surgical mask, which we reused for every case. The anaesthetist, scout nurse and anaesthetic technician were not permitted to wear masks because they were in such short supply. Meanwhile, the Fremantle Dockers a football team, boarded their flight yesterday resplendent in surgical masks. They're off to play a game of football. Well done. Now, as I uh, record this on Sunday evening, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has announced another huge bunch of responses to COVID-19. Here's uh, a selection. A ban on non-essential gatherings of persons 100 and greater um, in indoor areas. So in outdoor areas, it's 500. Indoor areas, it's 100. And that is effective now, as of today. And those arrangements in terms of the, uh, the, the legal enforcement of those measures are being put in place by the states and territories. Ah, uh, yes, but uh, what counts as essential gatherings of people? Here's one little snippet. Office buildings, factories, construction sites, mining sites. Mining sites, yes. The coal must flow. Uh, there's also a temporary doubling of the job seeker payment. It used to be called New Start. It's it's like currently five hundred and fifty dollars a fortnight, so you can live on two hundred and seventy five dollars a week. Can you? Uh, that that's being doubled, so another five fifty a fortnight. Uh, people will be allowed to pull ten thousand dollars out of their superannuation uh, both this year and next. Uh, that's controversial. We'll see. Uh, they're going to guarantee unsecured small business loans uh, up to quarter of a million dollars. So, yeah, that could end well. Uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, there's a meeting of the so-called National Cabinet happening right now as I record this. That's the Prime Minister plus uh, the the state premiers and the territory chief ministers. Uh, so there's bound to be more announced on Monday. It is impossible for me to keep up with this in, in this podcast. However, some states have already preempted Morrison and the National Cabinet on the Sunday afternoon and evening. They announced their own, uh, their own activities. New South Wales, Victoria and the Australian Capital Territory will start shutting down non-essential services over the next 48 hours. Uh, Victoria and New South Wales, they won't expect super supermarkets, pharmacies or banks, but Victoria will bring forward the school holidays to begin on Tuesday, this Tuesday, a good couple of weeks early. Schools in all three states, though, will remain open uh, on Monday, uh, presumably so that, that school staff can get in there and sort out what the fuck they're going to do. Western Australia and South Australia are closing their borders on Tuesday uh, and arrivals into Western Australia all arrivals will have to self-isolate for 14 days. That's road, air, rail and sea access points. And just off Perth, the popular tourist destination Rottnest Island, uh, which is renowned for its quokkas and more of them later, Rottnest Island is being actively investigated as a quarantine zone, which is ironic because Rottnest Island was a quarantine zone uh, back in the day, also a site for murdering black people, but, you know, we don't talk about that. Um, as I say, those uh, effects, uh, those uh, things come into uh, effect on Tuesday. Now, 
all of that at the federal level, the legislation uh, that is needed to make these sorts of things happen will only be tabled in uh, Parliament, in Canberra, on Monday morning. And that's going to be the first time anyone, apart from the government itself, sees the detail. And the plan is to get all that legislation passed the same day. Uh, And really, there's some stuff in there which I think should not be rushed. For example, there is going to be temporary relief for directors of companies uh, from any personal liability for trading while insolvent. Now, my view is that that will end badly because there'll be a whole lot of crooks ripping off other people and going, ha <laughs> bankrupt. And although this is the sort of uh, relaxation of bankruptcy restrict- of, of rules that businesses have been calling for for years, it's also the sort of thing that I think we should be getting tougher about, not weaker. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Patrick Gray, who uh, uh, produces and presents the Risky Business podcast, he says it'll save uh, countless jobs by preventing directors pulling the, the plug uh, too early because they're worried about legal trouble. I mean, yeah, he's got a point. Uh, but now, <laughs> on to conspiracy theories, which obviously are uh, of great interest to me. Uh, one, uh, Cameron Wilson at BuzzFeed has been following this a lot. And one of the biggest coronavirus hoaxes going around in Australia right now is a fake account with the name Gloria Leung, L-E-U-N-G. Now, that account asks other people to buy her toilet paper to sell overseas. It's also, you know, surprise, surprise, a racist caricature being used to stoke racism. Uh, and although there's there's people saying, how un-Australian is this Chinese woman name and shame her? And, like, it's not a thing, even though it's being shared. The Guardian has also been looking at this. Are busloads of shoppers really stripping Australia's regional supermarkets bare? No, they're not. It's a bunch of racist stuff. And we all know our friends in Russia, our friends in other countries and and the far right will be stoking fears about this. It works into their agenda. So, you know, don't. Uh, amongst other conspiracy theories, uh, are the, are the one that... Uh, even though we're seeing all of these um, death figures from many countries, quote, this virus is no worse than the virus that killed thousands of Americans under Obama. It was covered up for him by the liberal media and lied about, says Jeb38362. You can trust Jeb38362. Uh, and another one kicking around. This, this, one, this one joins all the dots. It's amazing. The Chinese were all given mandatory vaccines last fall, i.e. autumn. The vaccine contained replicating digitised controllable RNA, which was activated by 60 gigahertz millimetre 5G waves that were just turned on in Wuhan, as well as all the other countries that use 60 gigahertz 5G, with the smart dust that everyone on the globe has been inhaling through chemtrails. Okay, followed so far. So that's why they say when someone is cured, the virus can be digitally reactivated at any time and the person can literally drop dead. The Diamond Princess cruise ship was specifically equipped with 60 gigahertz 5G. It's basically remote assassination. Americans are currently breathing in this smart dust through chemtrails. 
Think of it like this. Add the combination of vaccines, chemtrails, bracket smart dust, and 5G, and your body becomes internally digitized and can be remotely controlled. A person's organ functions can be stopped remotely if one is deemed non-compliant. Wuhan was a test run for ID2020. The elite call this 60 gigahertz millimeter band 5G wave the V-wave or virus wave to mock us. Trump has created a space force in part to combat this weaponized technology. We need to vehemently reject the attempted mandatory vaccine issue because our lives depend on it. I, I need to, uh, I think I need a drink after that. But remember, healthy eaters, the coronavirus is all natural, organic, vegan and gluten free. So fucking go for it. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. Welcome to The Edict. The thing I'm counting on more than anything else to achieve that outcome rather than that outcome is that Australians be Australian. Now, that Australians can deal with this. We can, we can deal with some change to our daily lives. We can deal with the surprises that may come as we get further information. We can deal with making common sense judgments every day. We can deal with looking after each other. We can deal with having to show a bit of patience from time to time and the odd frustration or disappointment. Australians can deal with all of that. And so long as Australians keep being Australians, we'll get this through. We'll get through this together. Thank you all very much, Tuck. Well, uh, that's from the fifteenth of March, uh, and Prime Minister Scott Morrison uh, has, of course, changed his tone since then. But a lot of the messaging around COVID nineteen reveals quite a bit about the speaker. Uh, Morrison, of course, was appealing to his base, the ordinary Australians, the quiet Australians, uh, whoever they are. It also revealed something about. Uh, Organised cyber criminals. This is from Bleeping Computer. Ransomware gangs to stop attacking health orgs during pandemic. Bleeping Computer reached out to the operators of The Maze, Doppelpaymer, Ryok, uh, Sodinokibi, R-Evil, Locker, and Arco Ransomware Infections, or at least the, uh, yes, the operators of those, to ask if they would continue targeting health and medical organisations during the outbreak. And generally they said no. You may not know that uh, the Russian cyber criminals, all right, they're not all Russian, but, you know, um, there's kind of two flavours. The old school guys really object to uh, attacking organisations which, as a result, will harm people. So like health organisations or uh, sometimes students or or local community groups and so on. And there there are certainly stories of uh, them refunding money. Or at least unlocking the uh, the data without charge uh, when they they accidentally do that. The the younger school of the cyber crims coming through don't care, and they look at this and go, "Wow, there's an epidemic on. If we disrupt them, it's more important now than ever for them to pay us money. We can ask for more." And uh, people like journalist. Uh, Brian Krebs, who who look into this, have said there's often uh, great debate uh, on the Russian cyber criminal chat groups and so on. 
So unlike Russian cyber criminals, there's this cunt called Matthew Lesh. He tweeted on Thursday... There's nothing wrong with retailers increasing prices. It ensures products can be bought by those who value them the most and helps prevent shortages. If you really want to buy a product, would you prefer to pay a little more or not be able to access it? (laughs) Now, this cunt, um, Matthew Lesh, is head of research at the Adam Smith Institute in London, which describes itself as neoliberal and as the UK's best-known think tank. He's also an adjunct fellow at the IPA in Australia, the Institute of Public Affairs. He describes himself as a classic liberal because, of course, he does. Now, his uh, Twitter thread then goes on to quote uh, from an article called Let Prices Rise to Combat the Coronavirus from uh, a thing called the Foundation for Economic Education. Apparently, they say, the bottom-up nature of the price system can take into account millions of consumers and the vast array of constraints on producers without needing any top-down supervision. Now, price gouging is either explicitly illegal or widely considered unconscionable. Price gouging, they explain, is the practice of pushing up prices in a manner that is deemed exploitative. What counts as exploitative? Well, it depends on the view of regulators and the courts, but the basic idea is that exploitative practice of pushing up prices uh, in the face of an emergency is deemed to be morally reprehensible and should be stopped. Now, I'm sure... And I suspect that many of you listening to this agree. But these cunts say preventing so-called price gouging would be a mistake. The sheer brilliance of the price system means that all of this resource management happens automatically. No wise bureaucrat needs to come up with a plan. No clumsy politician has to get involved. No heavy-handed intervention is needed. If price gouging laws prevent prices from going up, we risk seeing extended shortages of necessities, causing lines and rationing, which are not only phenomenally wasteful, but also incentivise black markets, criminal behaviour and even violence. Rationing tends to favour the rich through black markets, the most informed or those who are lucky enough to have the right connections. In fact, the community would be better off if the government provided one-off grants to the poor and let prices rise rather than inhibit the price increase. The change in prices is what generates the change in producer behaviour and that's what we need to see happen. Now, in Australia, we are, of course, uh, finally seeing these uh, one-off grants. Uh, But whether the prices rise, well, that just means the money flows straight back to the producers without really uh, boosting the economy or improving society as such. But, of course, these uh, uh, classic liberals don't think that uh, uh, society exists. As one reply to that thread said... Are you really saying that someone who's been fired because they've got coronavirus and can't go to work and so now has no money simply does not value food enough to be to spend seven pounds on a packet of pasta instead of one pound? I mean, sure, right? Because that's the kind of cunts these people are. It takes true mastery of the art of being a sociopathic prick to think up this sort of shit. Uh, and speaking of cunts, Jeff Bezos... Uh, Amazon, you know, uh, 
him, Bezos, the richest man in the world, the one whose sales have shot up during a pandemic because people need to order online because they can't go out. Well, he's now doing an online fundraiser, AmazonReliefFund.org. Yes, Jeff Bezos is asking all of us to donate to support Amazon's warehouse temps and flex drivers that are hit by COVID. What an absolute turd. Of course, this podcast is is actually the very embodiment of the free market economy uh, in that if you want it to happen, you have to pay for it. But it's also pure socialism in that you can listen to it whether you pay for it or not, except you need to pay for it because this podcast is made possible by you, the generous listeners, through your subscriptions and one-off contributions. Now, this episode, uh, it's thank you to Andrew Groom, Chris Gentle, and one person who wishes to remain anonymous. And uh, also, uh, and this one dates back a bit, thank you to Kate Carruthers, who messaged me to say, I want you to make a noise. Uh, what noise? I want a cockatoo screech. So, um, here we go. I better lubricate my throat uh, with this Sangiovese. And uh, here we go. A cockatoo screech. Hope that was uh, worth it, Kate. If you would like, <laughs> if you would like to contribute to the upkeep of this podcast and perhaps <laughs> request further animal noises, go to stillgarian.com slash tip, stillgarian.com slash tip, or skank.com.au slash subscribe. Uh, if you subscribe, you you get allegedly extra benefits. I should do something about that. Anyway, please do. It's it's especially important to contribute right now because I'm starting to go a bit fucking stir crazy. <coughs> Elephant stamp time! Elephant stamp time. Uh, in most episodes of this podcast, I award elephant stamps of approval for excellence in the category of thinking. And today I have uh, all, vi- all uh, virus-related one, two, three, four of them. Okay, first up, elephant stamp to Alan Stanton of Isha in Surrey, who wrote to a newspaper to say, give a virus a fancy name, mention the word death a few times, and add a sprinkle of global publicity, and what do you get? Mass hysteria, that's what. Uh, Alan says, the truth is the coronavirus is just another flu outbreak. Uh, No, Alan, it's not. And the mortality rate isn't too different from any other flu epidemic. Well, maybe. The principle of survival of the fittest has worked well for the past billion years, so why change it now? Why uh, Do we want to live in a world where everyone is dependent on vaccinations and carries around a sack of pills? Why not just let each flu outbreak run its course? I'm in my 60s, and if it gets the better of me, okay, when your time's up, it's up. Well done, Alan Stanton of Isha in Surrey. Number two. This is from Newsweek. A woman in Wisconsin licked a grocery store freezer handle as a protest against the coronavirus. 
the unidentified woman is said to have made this unsanitary gesture at a festival food store in Marshfield, Wisconsin, on Saturday afternoon as the store manager was disinfecting the freezer door handles. Uh, this is according to a police report. Quote, uh, this is from the report, while sanitising handles in the freezer section, store manager Marty reported looking over at a woman who proceeded to look at him and lick the door handle of a freezer door. Contact was made with a 50-year-old Marshfield woman who stated she licked the door handle in protest of the coronavirus. The female states she has not used this method of protest at any other locations and was told her behaviour was uncalled for. Uh, now, although the manager initially didn't want to take legal action against this woman, a no-trespassing order was later requested after she, quote, became confrontational with the store manager and law enforcement. Uh, and from the same report, an aspiring social media influencer recently attempted to begin a coronavirus challenge hashtag by uploading a video of herself licking an airplane toilet seat in defiance of advice intended to minimise transmission of the disease. So uh, it's actually multiple elephant stamps to all those people involved there. And... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen listening to this, um, please do not lick airplane toilet seats. Uh, number three, Laura Ingraham, a well-known right-wing troll and fucked, fuckwit. Uh, Laura Ingraham tweeted the other day, Americans need to know a date certain when this will end, the coronavirus that is. The uncertainty for businesses, parents and kids is just not sustainable. As someone noted, oh, good heavens, Laura wants to speak to the manager of coronavirus. Sorry, Laura. Uh, it's, it's not black. We don't know the date this is going to end. Don't be such a fucking. And the fourth one uh, goes to some cunt in Silicon Valley, uh, Joshua something from Morse Park, who tweeted to, oh, tweeted? This looks more like Facebook. Anyway, to their local community forum, please stop cooking. I can smell the cooking and it triggers my undiagnosed allergies. Please do not cook your food, but instead opt for foods that do not require cooking, like carrot sticks and grape nut seeds. If cooking is absolutely necessary, please consider the following options, not cooking or heating food naturally. Uh, I don't know how to heat food naturally. I don't know. Is that putting it under your armpits, down your pants? I don't know. So uh, an elephant stamp of approval for that ticket in Silicon Valley. Please stop cooking. I can smell the cooking. How terrible. Triggers undiagnosed allergies. Yeah. Yeah, think about that one. Uh, ideally. Anyway, they're the elephant stamps for this episode. Regular listeners to this podcast uh, will know that I spend a lot of my time in the Blue Mountains uh, near Wentworth Falls at Bunjeri Cottages. If you follow me on Twitter, you will know that uh, said Bunjeri Cottages are uh, owned and operated by Richard Chergwin and his wife, Ms. T. And if you follow him on Twitter, you will know that uh, she sadly uh, has a weird autoimmune disease uh, which requires chemotherapy every month. Now, Richard, you have stories to tell, but first, how would a coronavirus infection affect your family? Catastrophically, because Miss T 
<clears throat> the treatment that she is on is designed to suppress her immune system. Without that suppression, her immune system attacks large blood vessels. That sounds uh, inconvenient. It is. So, yes, um, I really know it's unwise to shake hands at conferences, even without coronavirus, because um, I once came back with a cold and that put her in ICU. Wow. So, you've presumably been taking uh, a lot more precautions yes. the last few weeks. Yep. Uh, as in, she stopped going out to the supermarket entirely, and I've got a mask and gloves for the supermarket trips. So, how's that gone down? Not always. Well, not always well with other with other customers. Uh, there is a an element in society that is of the type that will heckle a person for wearing the uh, for wearing the outfit. So, what do they say? The first one, the first heckle I got was simply that. What was the word? That, that, that I was being hysterical. Right. And the second yesterday from what I'll call a high lux bogan with a large family was that I was scaring his kids. Right. Uh, I mean, maybe the kids should be scared. But, what? I mean, how did you react to that? Did you respond? No, um, I don't think there's much point. And uh, from the supermarket staff, the... Um, their reaction is overwhelmingly positive, mm. all the way up to thank you for <laughs> thank you for taking it seriously. I've been getting the impression that once uh, we get outside the city, and even then in the city itself, with all these scenes of people at beaches and still going to pubs and so on, but certainly outside the city that. It still hasn't sunk in, and I was speaking um, only recently to uh, to Father Carl Sinclair, who's uh, uh, the assistant priest in the uh, Catholic Church at uh, Mudgee, and he says, yeah, it's it's pretty much denial there. People are sceptical. Some of them are scared, but... Complacent, there, I, I think there is, and it might even be worse in Katoomba because we had one positive at the high school. That's right. Um, but nothing reported. Since. But it did, it did, does not seem to have spread, and that probably makes people even more complacent. But yes, I would say you've got the complacency of <laughs> it's weird. People who believe it's serious enough to raid the toilet paper and um, and construct a weevil farm out of cheap flour. But it's not serious enough to wear a fucking mask. Indeed. So your final message would be? Wash your hands and wear a mask and wear gloves when you're shopping. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, still. Now, a lot of people have been uh, comparing the COVID-19 pandemic, to the uh, influenza pandemic of 1918-1919. And I think it went slightly into 1920 as well. Sorry, I was just making myself a little more comfortable here. Now, that virus at the end of uh, World War One was called the Spanish flu, and that's how people remember it. But curiously, the only reason it was called that is that while World War I was in progress, uh, countries suppressed news of it so as not to uh, you know, affect morale. Spain was neutral and they 
published uh, their uh, death rates and so on. So people associated the flu with Spain and it became the Spanish flu. Oddly enough, it now appears that the flu originated in a U.S. Army training camp in Kansas and soldiers trained there then went to Europe at the the end of the Second World War, or sorry, First World War in 1918 with the American forces, and that's how it got into Europe. It's not totally... uh, proven uh, because uh, the flu did spread in Eastern Europe as well and in other parts of the world. But that is is now uh, apparently uh, the current best theory is that it's in fact the Kansas flu. Uh, but by the by, the other day, uh, cartoonist uh, Dave Pope in Canberra uh, was along with me digging stuff out of Trove at the National Library of Australia. It's a digitised database of early newspapers and other publications in Australia, Trove at NLA. Check it out. It's brilliant. And Dave Pope dug out from 1919, this is the Bulletin magazine from 13th of February 1919, uh, a cartoonist by the name of David Lowe uh, did a cartoon which is remarkably modern. It's titled In the Multitude of Counselors. And I know I ranted earlier about, uh, about instant fucking experts, Turns out, of course, that in 1918, that was the same. And the cartoon shows uh, a family physician saying, uh, after all, the only sure thing is inoculation. Correct. Vaccines. Uh, But of course, the first casual person with advice, inoculation. No, no, no. It's a joke. Don't believe that. A good spray of eucalyptus is better than all those doctors hocus pocuses. Uh, Another casual person in my opinion the only way to deal with this kind of thing is internally now suck on one of these tablets every quarter hour and you're perfectly safe uh then other people said no 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 nothing can hold a candle to a good inhalant when it comes to beating germs so take a good sniff up fourth person yeah you can have all your dopes and smells take a good nip of alcohol now and then and keep cheerful i say uh and so on and so forth, including the cleaning lady saying, you may say as you like, sir, there ain't nothing like the old ideas. None of them diseases can stand up to a bit of burnt sulphur. Uh, and then, of course, the final one says, of course, the whole thing's mental. Just make up your mind firmly not to get it. And there you are. From 1919, advice just as useful. Uh, but from the same year, from the New, Tal- uh, the New South Wales Department of Health, uh, a leaflet issued about the influenza, and this is advice for anyone who falls sick and cannot secure the services of a doctor. It's basically go straight to bed and stay there until at least four days have elapsed from the time of the disappearance of all symptoms. Uh, and they... Suggest a thing called mixture R, which 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 contains liquid ammonium acetate. I think that is something called nitrosyl, uh, chloroform, uh, potassium citratus, and some other things. They also suggest taking a mouthwash of uh, one teaspoonful of boric acid and one teaspoon of salt and one teaspoonful of baking soda in a large tumbler of hot water and gargling that. They also suggest sniffing it up the nostrils frequently. Uh, 
the bowels should be opened daily by means of Epsom salts, citrate of magnesia, or some such purgative. Uh, Pain and vomiting may also be relieved by the application of hot compresses or poultices, uh, and and so on and and so forth. Uh, uh, the patient's room should be well ventilated, uh, reduce uh, visitors. Uh, the patient, the attendant, and all members of the family should wear masks composed of four layers of buttercloth, muslin, or surgical gauze. Such masks should be well-fitting so as to cover the nose and mouth. The sick person, when sneezing, coughing, or expectorating, that is spitting, should do so into clean rags which should be burnt at once. Anyone Handling such rags should immediately wash the hands after such attention. Not a lot's changed, really. Wash your fucking hands. Uh, before we go uh, too much further, not that there's much further to go, um, a request, please. Tell your friends about this podcast, because obviously the more uh, listeners we have, the more people who might be inclined to support it, and the more likely it is that I can continue. Now, apart from being available on my website, this podcast is on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Deezer, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Spreaker. Spreaker is the the primary one because uh, they offer the live streaming thing as well, which I haven't uh, haven't done as much as I'd like. Uh, if there's someone I'm missing there, please let me know. And as I say, please tell your friends. And uh, I don't do this, but like and subscribe and all that shit. Leave a review. I know everyone says that, but apparently, apparently, it makes a difference. Uh, and I think now, after all of that, I, I should probably end on something lighter uh, to do with coronavirus. Uh, but apparently in Japan, uh, noted for its many, many mascots, there is a mascot for quarantine at Japanese airports. It's been around a while for you know your normal biosecurity stuff. But Quaron, Q-U-A-R-A-N, is a winged fairy with goggles and a Q on its head. Uh, so Quaran is a thing. I, we were wondering the other night on Twitter uh, whether we should have an Australian uh, mascot for quarantine. And we noted, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember who was all, all the people involved in this, but Australians have already started referring to quarantine as Quasar because, of course, they have. My mate's in Quasar. So Quasar is a great name for an animal. And we thought Quasar the quarantine quokka. Uh, because quokkas live on Rottnest Island, which is noted uh, for its uh, history as a quarantine place. Uh, and also because quokkas are cunts and quarantine starts with a Q, they all start with Q. Quasa the quarantine quokka. Make it happen. Uh, in uh, Guatemala, there's a wonderful meme out there. Uh, now, is it uh, Guatemala, is it? Spanish or Portuguese. I can't tell. They're very close languages, but there's a lovely meme going around. Tipara uh, prevenirse del COVID-19. What's 19? Anyway, uh, el estilo uh, biologo. So, and uh, all uh, biological agents. Uh, so, basically, you need to stand 
far enough apart. They're not saying the 1.5 metres here. They're saying two metres, which is uh, the length of a Central American tapir, uh, Tapirus biardii, uh, and you should have a tapir length between um, all people. And they have a lovely little graphic uh, showing uh, two people uh, standing two metres apart with a tapir whose mouth and ass are conveniently at groin height. So if you want to kind of do a... <laughs> uh, yeah, fill in the rest of the joke yourself there. Uh, that was posted on the Twitters by Steve Phelps, and apparently that meme is by BioNag, an association of Guatemalan uh, biologists. Uh, also, Melbourne Zoo... Uh, is live streaming some of the animal habitats. So maybe maybe some of them are tapirs. Maybe some of them will be having sex. So watch out for that. So many places uh, are putting on new live streams uh, for, for folks who are stuck at home. And the city of New York uh, has issued guidance on, as uh, Richard J. Anderson put it, how to fuck during a pandemic. Yes, New York, the city of New York has a pandemic sex guide and one of the lines in that is, having sex with a small circle of people helps prevent spreading COVID-19. So, uh, if if you would like all of you to form up into a small circle uh, and drop your pants, uh, you'll be fine. Okay, one, one last, last thing. Uh, Dame Vera Lynn, the famous singer, has recently turned 103 years old. Yes, she's still with us. And she says the selfless spirit of war years can help Britain in the coronavirus fight. She says the key to getting through any crisis is to come together to help one another and be kind, whether you form a circle or not. No, she didn't say that. Anyway, uh, she did an interview on Friday. She urged Britons to remain positive, use their time isolated at home to reconnect with their families and even rediscover the joy of writing letters. Uh, she had tips for the weekly shopping, saying during the war, and like all British, she means World War II, that's the only the war there's ever been. Uh, she says they got by with very little and became very creative, making something out of practically nothing. And also, you know, and she's right, we didn't eat as much then as many people do today. I'm certainly guilty of that. Uh, Dame Vera says, I don't think there's a need for us to panic. We're very fortunate to have more food in our country than many others. Uh, I truly hope everyone will work together to ensure that the vulnerable have everything they need to get through this. And she'd also suggest keeping up to date with the news, but encourage people not to let coronavirus dominate their lives entirely. We must go on living and find moments of joy, even in these dark times, uh, she said, as she returned to her small collection of tapirs. Well, that's all the edict for now. Uh, as usual, go to the website for links on how to support, links on all the sources and so on. The next episode will be... I'm not really sure. We're making all this up as we go along now, aren't we? Anyway, until then, stay healthy. I'm still Garyan. I'll try to do the same. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry. Yeah, just gonna lock myself in and just um, punch some cones for a couple of days. (laughs) (laughs) 
again Don't know where Don't know when But I know we'll meet again Some sunny day Keep smiling through Just like you always do Drive the dark clouds far away So will you please say hello To the folks that I know Tell them I won't be long They'll be happy to know That as you saw me go I was singing this song Again. Don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. We'll meet again. Blue sky.